This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. This is the Career Insights Podcast, brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland Careers and Employability Team. Hello and welcome to Career Insights. I'm Katie Baker, Industry Relationship Consultant with the University of Southern Queensland, and I help connect our students with opportunities and make connections in industry. Here on Career Insights, we are here to help you realise your career goals. We've got all the best tips on careers and employability, as well as insights from industry professionals and USQ alumni. We're here to help you break down barriers, have those career conversations, and become the most employable you can be. Coming up on today's show, we'll be diving into the world of imposter syndrome. Joining me on the show today is a positive and practical psychologist who's also a career development practitioner and does workshops and webinars on resilient researchers, Dr. Shari Walsh. We're talking about imposter syndrome today. What is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is this incredibly common condition that many people have in which they have a real sense of being a fraud or that someone is going to find out that they don't know what they're on about or have the skills to to complete whatever's being demanded of them. It's a form of anxiety and self-doubt combined. So the anxiety um, about what might happen, am I good enough, then sort of feeds into this sense of self-doubt about uh, which is related to do I have the abilities to do what is being asked or are they going to find out at this point in time that I actually can't do it. Um, and so it, it sort of sits on the shoulder in my, my case and chirps away and gives us a warning um, that there are some things that could not work out as we'd like. And do most people sort of have it, like an imposter it's syndrome? Incre- it's incredibly common. Um I'm not, I'm not sure of statistically what percentage of people would have it, but the estimate is that um, probably over 80% of people would have some um, element of it. So I think that's the first thing to remember is that it is incredibly common. And then that kind of helps us to normalise it and to say, oh, well, other people go um, have this as well. If we didn't have it, um, we'd probably be fairly narcissistic and really full of ourselves and perhaps then people wouldn't like us because we'd be um, too confident and too overbearing in many ways. So it does have some benefits. Well, I know um, I've been doing this radio show for a while and every now and then I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing a good show or is it, you know, so I suppose that's part of mine, um, recognising. So once you've sort of recognised it, how do we then start to work with it? I think the first thing... um, is to realise that it is a common experience, that most people will have this. And so once we give ourselves permission to understand that, then we can start thinking about, well, what do people do differently? So there are some people who get really caught up in the stories and the the tale in inverted commas and sort of focus on it and believe it, whereas there are other people who will have um, developed a skill in being able to say, oh, yeah, I get that, I can hear that message, I'm just going to continue and do whatever anyway. So the first step, I think, is to, um, for all of us, like mine's been chirping away at me all morning because I've been knowing that I'm going to talk about it today. Um, So the first thing is to to kind of be able to sometimes say, okay, this is um, a normal experience. It's part of the package. It's my brain giving me a warning that um, there's a risk that I won't do as well as I would like. And so it's letting me know that that's the potential. So once we can kind of say this is part of the human process, it also means then that we're not the only person suffering from it. 
And I think most of us um, believe our imposter is bigger and more real than everybody else's. So it's um, saying that it's not. The, then there are some sort of, um, I guess, more cognitive or um, practical strategies that people can do. And so the, the first one would be to realise that our thoughts, which the imposter syndrome is a thought stream that we have, our thoughts are generally opinion-based rather than fact-based. And so if we're able then to even you know, write down some of the statements that your imposter gives you and really look at them and go, where's the evidence for this? Where's the evidence that I'm actually a fraud? Where's the evidence? And I mean real hard evidence that you could take to a court. And so usually when people spend a little bit of time doing that, they'll generally realise there isn't any evidence. It's, it's an opinion and it's opinion based on fear. Then the second thing that they can do is to go, well, where's the evidence that I'm not a fraud? Where's the evidence that I've done okay? And, and what I encourage people to do is to start to, to build some um, uh, place, a book or a, one of my clients has a shoebox where every time you get positive feedback, if you get a good comment on an assignment that you've handed in or good feedback from um, a lecturer or, or you know, someone in your world, um, this person prints it out in a large font, puts it in the box, and so when they notice their imposter coming, they pull that out and they've got a reminder there that they're actually that they have some evidence. Other people I'll ask them to put it in a book and write it in a book. But it's about also starting to then store some evidence that you're okay, that you know your stuff. So that's the sort of first one where we're looking for the evidence for and against. The, the second strategy, and this is one that, that I find very helpful for me, is to actually um, give it a name. And so my imposter is Tom the Toucan or Pete the Parrot, just depending on the day you know, and, and the tone in which I'm hearing it. And, and so when I start to hear those thoughts, I'll, I'll kind of literally visualise a toucan on my shoulder chirping those words at me and then I can go, okay, Tom, thanks, that's your opinion. I'm going to focus back now and do what I need to do. And once we're able to do that, we can start to realise that if I'm doing something I value, and the more we value something, the more the risk, the stronger the imposter will be, it's a direct relationship. So if I'm doing something I value, then Tom the Toucan is going to be going off at me really loudly. And I kind of need to just let that happen and say, thanks, you keep going, I'm just going to do what I need to do. Yeah, right. So there's some great little tips there. Um, I love Tom the Toucan. Who was it today? Pete the Parrot or Tom the Toucan? It's Tom the Toucan today. Tom... He's, he's louder. <laughs> Pete the Parrot just chirps a little bit, but Tom the Toucan is full-blown. There's certain activities that I know if I'm doing, he'll be there. He'll be there. So how can we use, um, use it to our benefit, especially maybe in the workplace? Um. I guess I, I'm not sure particularly about how we can use it to our benefit because we really don't like it. So I think the first thing is to say that perhaps it's a matter then of being able to go, well, it's there for a reason. It's letting me know that there's something here that I'm concerned about or that I have a bit of doubt about. Um, and so it's it's often people will say, it's a, because it's probably linked to perfectionism as well, um, that when they have that imposter there, it kind of drives them to make sure that they're doing a reasonably good job. 
The risk is that if that becomes the, the sole driving force, then we'll be kind of always putting out that voice rather than actually building our strengths and our um, awareness. So I think it's acknowledging and going, okay, it's warning me about something. What, what's it warning me about? And then using it as a point to reflect on what are the skills that I have? What are the abilities that I have? How can I actually manage what to do what it's warning me about? So does that sort of come down to, um, I suppose it's a bit of that self-talk, like you mentioned self-doubt earlier. So it's just sort of uh, rewriting what you're talking to yourself essentially. Yeah, pretty much. And, and what we're not trying to do is to stop it. So the more we try to stop the imposter, the stronger it will become. So at the moment, if I say to you, don't think of pink elephant, whatever you do, don't think of a pink elephant, the chances are you have something pink in your mind. So the imposter is exactly the same. If we notice that we're having those imposter syndrome thoughts and then we start going, I really shouldn't be thinking about that, this is unhelpful, that's going to make it stronger. So we actually look to work with it and say, yeah, it's there, it's chirping away, it's, it's my, my doubt about my abilities or it's warning me that there's a risk got that message, I'm now going to use those abilities to actually do what I need to do and in a way test test whether it's true or not and and always looking for the kind of evidence rather than that opinion. And, um, and it's working, just what I'm hearing there, it's working with it, as you say, is to, not, is to own it and say, oh, you, you're actually okay. But, um, yeah. and, and I suppose it, um, motivates you to keep going that little bit, maybe to know that you can actually do it. Yeah, and I think to motiv- it, it's a, um, it motivates us then to realise that we can manage it. It's smaller than us. It's it's a part of us, so it's naturally smaller than us. So we're actually a bigger entity, and so we can say there's more to me than this particular um, this particular warning or this self doubt that I'm experiencing. And that then allows us to keep perspective with it as well. There are times that, you know, for many people, it will feel overwhelming. And particularly, for instance, if you had an assignment coming up or if you were applying for a new job and going for an interview, where it will be stronger than at other times. And there are other times for some people where they might find it really difficult um, to navigate how to change those thoughts. And that's when I'd really be encouraging you to go and speak with a counsellor so that you can actually overcome that anxiety and self-doubt or learn to manage it more effectively so that you can then manage the imposter more effectively as well. And so um, just finally, do you have any tips for students that are maybe heading out into graduate roles? That So they've got the skills and they've learnt them at university and now they're going into that new job. Have you got any tips that, or a tip or two that would help them? Yeah, sure. Um, I I would encourage you to reflect on why you've got the job and to actually acknowledge that you were, you know, employers won't employ you if they don't think that you can do the job. So that will put the pressure on you as well and the imposter will get stronger. But I think it's stepping back then and trusting and saying, well, they obviously believe that I have what it takes. My degree and the skills that I have demonstrate that I have what it takes. And and then it's, it's saying, allowing yourself in a way to be starting out and to, to make mistakes and to be trying to figure out how to go because you're new at this. 
And often, particularly with the imposter, that, that when people talk with me about it, it's because they're comparing themselves with people who've been doing something for a long time, for a couple of years. And so their imposter will be saying, well, you're no good, you're no good, because these other people are better. And so particularly with graduates, I would be, if you're looking at other people and going, oh, wow, they're great at what they're doing, realise they have three to five years experience on you. And you didn't see them when they were you. And also normalise it. When you go in for your, for your graduate role, actually you know, say, oh, it's a little bit daunting being here or it's a bit scary being here, you know, starting out because that normalises it. And the chances other people will say, yeah, that's how I felt as well. And then you know that you're okay. Excellent. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Shari. That you're was Dr. Shari Walsh, psychologist and career development practitioner. Thank you for joining me today on Career Insights. And thank you again to my guest, Dr. Shari Walsh, for taking the time to speak with me. Career Insights is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland and it's produced by USQ creative arts student Byron Quayle. High achieving year 12 students who put the University of Southern Queensland first on their QTAC application could become rewarded. Automatic scholarships up to $29,000 are on offer. Make USQ your first choice and join the number one university in Australia for graduate starting salary. Visit usq.edu.au slash become rewarded for more details.